welcome to Practice Pursuit for Therapists, the podcast dedicated to guiding therapists on the path to launch and grow their own successful private practice. We are Rachel and Adrian, and we are thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Navigating the world of private practice can be a daunting endeavor filled with uncertainties, and that's where this podcast comes in. Practice Pursuit for Therapists is here to host open and honest discussions around the most challenging aspects of being a therapreneur. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the crucial and intimidating aspects of starting a business. We want to support you in this emotional journey. We're here to help you take meaningful steps to overcome insecurities and doubts that might otherwise hold you back. Let's get started. So today we're going to pick up from last episode where we talked about anxiety and we'll discuss a little bit about how that plays into imposter syndrome. So isn't that so interesting, right? The very thing that makes us empathic towards our clients and relatable with our clients is the very thing that also gives us that imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because we put that pressure on ourselves that... Okay, but that means I have to have everything all together. I have to be perfect all of the time. I can't make mistakes. It's hard balance. Sometimes I feel like I can't go to the next level without being perfect. Like I have to have all the knowledge, all the certifications, read all the books, and then I can tell people I offer this intervention or then I can do this next thing in my career. It's not realistic, and maybe this is a good segue into talking about how we dealt with imposter syndrome when we started our business, our solo practice. Yeah. Let's not say dealt, I deal with it. (laughs) Yes. Well, I say that in the past tense, just to say we started our practice, we're kind of past that phase. We're in other phases, but we started our practice, imposter syndrome with that not insinuating that we don't experience imposter syndrome anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think when I started, so I was in private practice back in New Mexico when I first started out. And back then I had imposter syndrome because I was such a newbie. And I, you know, I felt like, oh, I, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough experience to be able to help anybody, right? I had all this book knowledge, but none of it felt like it was applicable in the therapy setting. And then I did other things, right? I worked in social services. I worked in um, a hospital doing crisis work. And then stepping back into private practice, I wound up with imposter syndrome again. Well, now I have all this experience, but it's so varied how am I going to help anybody? Mm-hmm. So before it was like, I didn't know enough. And now it's like, well, now I know all this stuff and how to like, I'm not the best at anything. And it is, it's hard. It's hard to say, okay, I can still help somebody, even though I am not one of the elite practicing yeah. EMDR, DBT, ACT therapists, and I can still make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had the same thoughts and just a, also a fear of failure, which I think relates is that inner dialogue where I'm telling myself, even if I take all the steps to start my practice, I have a business name, an LLC, I'm doing all the things. I'm not worthy of calling myself a business owner. I'm not worthy of 
saying I'm a private practitioner until I've had so many years of experience and I feel like I've mastered this thing. I rob myself of feeling pride in what I've accomplished because I feel like it's not good enough. And I think when I was starting my practice, I knew I wanted to do it for a while, but those kinds of thoughts were holding me back. I need to have more experience. I need to be more established in the community. I need to be someone that people respect. What I have is not good enough. So one thing I tell myself, and my husband really helped me with this because he challenges it when I have those kinds of thoughts, which is helpful. And who knows where I would have been in starting my practice had I not had that support. I don't know how I would have made that leap. I'm sure I would. I don't mean to give him all the credit, but he really helped me challenge some of that. And that was super helpful to have someone that believed in me and told me that those thoughts and those fears were not real life. But even when you have a friend or a partner or someone encouraging you in that way, it's hard to make that connection between what you logically know and what you emotionally believe. And I struggled with really believing I could do it, feeling like I was worthy to do it. And even when I did it, I had a hard time telling people I have my own practice. I started my own business. And even with my practice being all virtual, I still struggle with feeling like people think I'm not legitimate because I'm not in a building with an office meeting people in person. Yeah, it's funny how that plays into it, into the mindset. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about Jay's influence over your thoughts, I was thinking about your influence over my thought. Mm -hmm. Because you went into private practice first and were such a big encourager telling me, like, you can do this. There was so much fear. Like, how am I going to get clients? And will anybody want to see me? And are people actually going to pay me to see them? Right? Like, how do I name a business? All of the things. Like, I can't name a business. Yeah. And I really think that that's where a lot of the imposter syndrome mentality comes from. If you believe you're enough, that you're doing enough, that you're good enough, then you're not going anywhere in life. We rely on that inner negative criticism to do more and to be more. And I think at the root of it, there's a, an aspect of needing to trust ourselves that if we are connected with our true intentions, with our intuition, just and really in alignment with ourselves, we will be motivated to do what we're meant to do and what feels right for us. And we will experience growth and success in that. But at this point in our culture, I think we've always been taught you have to believe you're not enough or else you will be lazy and you will stop succeeding. And how do we shift our mindset to trust ourselves that we will innately access success and not beat ourselves up to the point we want to be. Yeah. You know, I always look at people who have really successful businesses. And when I, whenever I read these stories of these entrepreneurs who have gone from nothing to like greatness and the trail of failures behind them, I think with my perfectionism, with my anxiety, with my desire for stability, right? Like that's what W2 jobs have always provided me is this, albeit misguided, 
sense Mm -hmm. of stability, I think, oh, I would have stopped then. Stopped then. Ooh, that failure would have just like made me go running straight back to a W2 position and knowing and acknowledging that in myself, you know, and, and listening. I think the more I listen to these stories of people who have achieved really great success and the failures didn't knock them down. They just really truly treated them as a learning experience. They're risk takers, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not that risky when you believe in yourself. It's not risky to believe in yourself. But for me, it has always been risky to trust myself enough to believe in myself. And I think, you know, you talked about culture as women that we're not taught to trust ourselves and to believe in ourselves. Right. We're taught to be compliant. We're taught to, you know, go with the flow and be people pleasers and make sure everybody is happy around us and everything is stable. And I think some of that is kind of innate in our nature, Mm -hmm. too. you know, like just keep everything really stable. So to believe in ourselves enough to take that risk, it's hard. Yeah. And also to really grasp that a failure or a mistake is if that doesn't define us in any way, it doesn't say anything about us. It just says we're humans that make mistakes and we learn from our mistakes. But part of our fear of failure is this fear that in that moment of making that mistake or messing this thing up, we will be found that we are not good enough. And it ends there. And being able to shift our perspective to really grasp it for what it is, this is an opportunity to learn. This is an opportunity to change. This is an opportunity to use an experience to teach other people how to handle this type of situation instead of feeling like it's an end-all be-all if we make a mistake. And that's something I really grapple with even now in growing my practice. I think about all these things that are going to potentially go wrong and how inadequate I'm going to be in handling those things. And I work myself into a panic, just thinking like, what happens when an employee doesn't like me or doesn't agree with what I'm saying and they push back? How am I going to respond in that moment? How am I going to regulate my emotions in that moment? How am I going to do the best thing and make the best decision possible? I don't know. So I just start panicking, thinking about it. It's not even something that's happened yet. I just assume I'm going to make this mistake. Then there's going to be this person that thinks less of me. And then in my mind, I interpret that as being a failure instead of it just being a moment to learn from. Yeah. And that drives up perfectionism, right? So I have to read all the books on how to manage people before I can hire my first person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that. <laughs> not reality, right? Like, yeah. That's not reality, but but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. I have to learn everything about this technique before I can use it. I have to learn everything there is to know about business before I can start a business. It's just really, it's crippling. I feel like part of the imposter syndrome dialogue is like feeling this need to be the best immediately and to have it all together immediately. And part of that is just in thinking about how other people are going to look at me when the reality is, you know, I look at you and I think you're wonderful. You're amazing. Of course you can do these things. There's no doubt in my mind that you can do these things. And I force myself to trust that that is true of me too. Even though I worry 
other people think things like, well, who is she to have her own business? Who is she to have a podcast? Who is she to offer coaching? I don't think people think that if they do, they're not people I want to surround myself with. And so I, I just remind myself that even if I'm not feeling it in the moment, that I really am capable and I just need to trust that. And I need to have faith that that's true, even when it's the hardest to believe. So I think that's all we have time for today. Again, this is another topic we could probably talk a lot about, but for now, that's it for today's episode. Thank you all for joining in and listening to Practice Pursuit for Therapists. Please like, subscribe, and share if you loved this episode. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you next time.